With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast host for Pac-12 football news in the home of the Bader and College Football Statistical Model. This is a sharp college football podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is Brian Conger, and we have a champion. We have a champion of the world, the Utah Utes. Congratulations, winning the 2022 Pac-12 championship. Just smoking just rolling and smoking the defense from Utah uh, from uh, USC and guess yeah, Caleb Williams got hurt we'll get into that we also have coaching changes we have coach prime at Colorado Kenny Dillingham at ASU we're getting offensive and defensive coordinators into the system and join me to break everything down is Mr. Rob Barron from Sharp College Football what's going on Rob uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. We are uh, we made it to the end of the regular season. Like, congrats to us. It's like this one seemed particularly long. Um, I don't know if it's because like the World Cup, like was kind of happening at the same time and college basketball, but it just seemed it almost it, maybe it's just because this is like the first year where I just didn't have my finger on the pulse of the conference, like just straight up outright the whole year. I mean, like I ended up still over 500, but like barely, and. Um, I don't know. It it just it struck me as a weird weird year, and and this Pac-12 championship was kind of like a a nice you know a, a perfect example of the conference this year. Where I don't even think Utah fans thought this Utah team was all that good. Uh, you know, uh, compare you know with it, rising if rising were healthy, right? If they had the two tight ends, I, I, you know, all that all that considered. But I think I think Utah fans kind of saw what this team was, and um, which is a a well coached good team but not one of like the, the all time Utah teams and it didn't matter. I mean like they, now Williams got hurt, but they got to Williams and this, this whole, I, we were going to open with coach prime. Let's just open with the, the championship game because it, it was, it was super fun. It was super weird at the same time. Well, I mean the whole game changed. I mean, Williams appeared to get hurt on his, uh, that's like long run that he was on, you know, um, and his knees just didn't appear to be the same afterwards. Um, but after that, I mean, like to your point, like Utah started, I mean, Utah, we knew they were going to have to blitz to be able to get pressure on Williams. Their defensive line has not been good all season. Um, and USC's offensive line isn't great. And if you don't have Williams ability to scramble, like they were dead in the water. It looked like he couldn't plant. I mean, he was missing regular throws. Yeah. I was talking to my dad yeah. about this because you know, I think sometimes we look at the NFL and we take, you know, we look at like the, the first scrambling quarterbacks and they were fast and they were pretty good throwers. Like Williams is fast and an excellent thrower. Like the, the way that he's able to scramble out of, out of trouble and throw that ball into such a tight window. I mean, it makes USC's offense look so easy. 
and I think it was like seventeen to three when he got hurt, and and, and it really did change. And 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 I should we should mention the like on the other side of the coin, Cam Rising wasn't a hundred percent this game either. Yeah, and and that clearly hampered Utah's offense all year. I mean, you know, not all year, but like in the second half of the year, um, it, it made the Oregon game a bummer. Um, it made this game uh not a bummer. They still threw for forty forty points, but forty points. I mean, like they made USC's uh tackling. Oh my gosh! It looked it looked like yeah. Arizona under under like Kevin Sumlin. Like I was laughing out loud in the middle of it as like uh, as this clown car of a defensive secondary was just trying to run around and tackle people. Uh, I you know like I, I I mean clearly Williams is the story of of the game because that that offense really was humming and you go up seventeen to three on Utah and if USC is still able to move the ball that game's over. And, right. and it wasn't, it wasn't because he wasn't able to, to really move around. And, and it was funny because like USC's wide receivers started looking like Utah's wide receivers and Utah's wide receivers started looking like USC's wide receivers. It, it was yeah. super crazy. I, mean, I, used to, I feel like it's really important to like, remember like USC has largely had to outscore opponents all season, right? Like the defense, Utah didn't put, Utah didn't do anything spectacular or different to this defense that has not already been done. Like Cal put a lick on this. You know what I mean? Like this defense has had some horrendous moments so far this season. It's been less of a focus because, like, at the same time, USC's offense is has been largely up to the task, right? Um, and able to go out there and put up enough points to to win the game. And then you know people can sort of feel good and be like, oh, you know, like the defense got some turnovers. You know, like that kind of thing. But Utah, I mean, Utah's offense is competent. I mean, to your point, like without rising, uh, being 100%, without Keithy, they were more limited than you would have expected. Um, but they went out and, you know, put a hurting on a very, very bad USC defense. Um, and then USC without, uh, I mean, I, I, like, I think if you're, if you're like, it feels like everyone should remember this because it was only a week ago. But like, I also think a lot of people only watch their team sometimes. Um, you know, like Cam or not Cam, like Williams versus Notre Dame. Like he scrambled all around. I mean, he just kept scrambling in that game and buying time, and then throwing the big pass. Um, and he also added a lot with his legs. Like in this game, I think he's such a weapon. And Utah's Utah Utah's pass rush is is limited. Um, if he would have been able to go, I think it, it would have been like the game in Salt Lake City, down to the wire. Um, you know, like to your point, like it wasn't just that he couldn't scramble. It it did feel like he couldn't really plant and he was missing throws that he would normally hit. And that's a big problem, uh, I think, for USC. And USC doesn't have, I mean, with the transfers out, they had no really good options. Like Miller Moss is not going to get in there and like help you survive a Pac-12 championship game. It, it was funny. My dad was watching the game and he goes, who's that linebacker for USC? He's awful. He's so slow. And that's kind of like, you know, the, the, the SC defense, you know, has just been cut and pasted together and it hasn't been great all year. The one thing is like, you know, I, we open with Williams because that's the biggest part of this game, but I would still say, even if Williams was healthy, I mean, Utah almost dropped a 50 burger on this defense and they did yeah. it largely without Dalton Kincaid, <laughs> you know, like the last right. game, right? One of the things, the, the reason I had picked USC is because I didn't think even with the bad secondary, even with the bad defense, 
that Utah's wide receivers were going to step up. And they did. I mean, like, and yeah, you had a lot out of the, uh, the Syracuse uh, transfer, the, the tight end there, but like money parks and Dixon and like even Bernard was able to, to get yardage. And there were some really big passes and big plays that they were able to step up. And, and, um, and you add that to the fact that like, they just made Jaquindon Jackson a straight up running back, even though that guy looks like like LeBron James in terms of his size. That's a big dude, and like yeah. him back there lining up. It it almost reminds me of um, not not the same. I don't know if you watched San Diego State this year, but their new quarterback. Yeah, he's like yeah, he's like six six two fifty. I mean, Jackson isn't that big, but he's he's a big dude, and he was able to get his hundred yards. He's able to be a threat on the ground for um for Utah, and look like. I wish I wish both teams could play fully healthy because you get a, a healthy Cam Rising and a healthy uh, Caleb Williams, and it shows off the talent that's in, and the creativity at the quarterback position that's in here. Um, but you know, it, but that that was kind of the it, it was what it was. And the one thing I do want to also highlight for Utah is I I know that that SC's offense was limited, but by the time that game really was was starting to flip. I think Utah's defense just gave no like they're like you aren't scoring on us basically, and they they gave up a couple plays. But I mean, let's let's be frank. Like Utah's defense, this isn't one of their vintage defenses. This is one of their worst defenses they've had in years. And it's not that it's a bad defense. And by Pac-12 standards, it's a pretty good defense. But like without Williams' ability to scramble, I mean, like yeah, like they were able to lock him down. But like they, I mean, I don't know. I mean. I don't want to, like, I, we've seen a few wind-aided performances for this Utah defense, like Bo Nix is an example. Like, he also couldn't plant and throw, <laughs> you know? Like, they're good. They're just not, like, they're not a great defense, you know? And, like, uh, and they may have gotten lucky again. Like, they're going to get a Penn State offense that's not great in the bowl game. Um, you know, but I, I like, they, they did not, like, I, I think the biggest factor in, like, USC not scoring has less to do with Utah's defense and everything to do with Williams. Yeah, I well, I I agree with you on that, but I do think that they were like Austin Jones did nothing, and it, you know when you can stack the box when you know Williams can't throw the ball, like that that makes a difference. But right. one of the things that we had talked about possibly was that Troy Die not being in the game. I don't think Austin Jones is nearly as good as Die, um, and I mean he went fifteen for thirty five. <laughs> like, no, and I try to tell people like because like so people if they look at the. Um the EPA based stats on like the run pass splits, like those are just wrong. Like, and, and one of the things that all seasons people have talked about, if they look at those is like, Utah has bad run defense, but they don't. Utah has a really good run defense. And you see that in beta rank. What Utah has struggled with is defending the pass because they like, they, they do have Clark Phillips and he's fantastic, but they don't have a very good pass rush. And so like, if you can, you know, if you have a little time, guys are going to get open. I mean, that was like USC in the first game, like threw the ball all over Utah. Um, you know, so like, yes, like you, USC was in deep, deep trouble when Williams got hurt and Utah's like Utah's defense did like they, 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 and I don't want to say like they are, they're not a vintage Utah defense, but they're excellent against the run. Yeah. The most Pac-12 
you know, final to a, a year as like, that's what this conference deserves was <laughs> basically this game where, you know, we knock a team out of the, uh, the, the college football playoff. And I was really bummed because I wanted to fade the hell out of the Trojans against Georgia. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they would have gotten, like if you're a USC fan watching this game, like your team would have gotten rolled and smoked against Georgia. Like it would have been disgusting because this defense isn't all that good. And when you have a real good defense on the other side, I mean, like, Look, look at what they what happened with uh, that Oregon State game. I think it was a good example of like, and, and Oregon State isn't even that great of a defense, but they were able to uh, limit this this offense. But with that said, eleven and two going from Clay Helton to to Lincoln Riley and what he was able to to do to make this team one game away from the college football playoff. I mean that that's impressive, and uh, you know Caleb Williams is coming back, which is just bonkers. And now in kind of this this era of, hey, like, let's just pay a bunch of people to come here. I'm, I'm curious to see if the defense gets any better. And, and I know that the personnel here was not great. But like Alex Grinch, it's been a hot minute since he's had a good defense. I know. <laughs> it feels, I mean, so he wasn't great in Oklahoma. Um, and it's been a while. I mean, like his best years where he was at D.C. were being you know, at Washington State. And... He's really got to get it going this next season. Other, I mean, otherwise, like, there's there's just no excuse, and I doubt he'll be back. Um, but, yeah, they do have, like, they, they did, USC's, USC's defense did have significant personnel issues. They were not able to, to solve those through the transfer portal. And to be honest, like, I, I mean, I'm interested to see this year because I think you see more players going into the portal, but um, at least now, like, testing your waters. But, like, I... I I'm not sure you can really rebuild your defense through the portal. Like, I just think it's tough. Like, even USC last season, who in theory had a bunch of money and could have thrown money at the problem, like, there aren't A-plus guys to go and get out there. You know, UCLA also brought in a bunch of guys in the portal, and their defense was bad. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, congratulations to Utah. Like, they, they've just, right? I mean, the, the trajectory of this program over the time when they were in the Mountain West to come into the conference to be consistent and then to take the leap and now to be competing for championships. I mean, like, I mean, again, just to reiterate the point, they won the conference with an injured cam rising most of the year with Brent Keithy out and with, uh, with Kincaid out for some of these games. And I mean, with Thomas surprised, I mean, like opting out. <laughs> like, yeah. Early. I mean, I like the one thing that I think really impresses me about this Utah team is they were really resilient in the face of like a lot of injuries with them because like they don't have, they don't have a bunch of talented guys that are like, you know, that are, you know, in other positions that could just like fill in, right? Like the wide receivers haven't been good for a long time. So if you get injuries to the tight ends, it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Utah found a way to make it work. You know, they couldn't run the ball as well as they did last season. They've still found a way to make it work, you know, um, even after then, you know, really when you think of like the fact that they, the offensive line struggled and, and run blocking, um, you know, and and they did they did pad some stats later on in the season against really bad defenses <laughs> running the football, but like they the fact that they were able to to work around that even with the injuries I think is just speaks a lot to 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 the coaching and uh, this team sticking together. The the last like three years of this running back core is the most Utah thing ever, and 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 it starts with Ty Jordan who is amazing like and and I want to go back to before like the his tragic death because 
he like right like we were kind of looking at all the running backs we're like oh look at this thing and it's ty jordan right it's the freshman that comes in freaking lights the world on fire as like one of the most fun backs that i've seen as a freshman at utah like he was so so fun um and then of course of course he passes away and they've done a great job just remembering him which which i appreciate like right they have the helmets this time i think they had um like a tribute again or like they they usually i I really that's awesome that they keep doing that um and and then so so they have to fill a void, right? And so they end up getting, you know, a four-star running back from LSU and a four-star running back, I think, from Texas. And then um, and then if it's the three-star Cincinnati running back transfer that ends up being the, the top guy. Uh, and you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then the next year, it's LaQuindon Jackson that ends up getting the yards. It's just... I, I I find it impressive. It's kind of like, you know, we used to always shrug our shoulders about the linebacking core. It's kind of the same thing with the running back uh, in the system. Like, and sometimes they don't have the greatest offensive line and, and they still are just able to find these running backs to, to continuously be good at that position. And I forget the guy that left. Um, he, he was the running back for the bills and uh, they've had so many good backs, but when he left, it was kind of like, wow, that guy was awesome. Uh, now what? And, and, Moss. Yeah, Moss. Yeah. And like, cause we thought maybe he was covering for some, and he, he was covering for, for like a bad line, I think that year. Um, yeah. but, but they've still been able just to be so productive at that position every year. Uh, I think, I think, I don't think Jackson is the answer for them. Uh, frankly, I think it'll be somebody else next year, but we'll just keep a lookout for that. And, you know, again, a big, a big congratulations to that, the Utah fan base. It's one of the best in the, in the conference. And, um, I, you know, Williams got hurt, but like they, they won, like they, and they, they dropped, they made that defense look stupid. And, and it was, I mean, I probably giggled like four times on the couch because it was just so ridiculous what what, what was happening in that game. Uh, anything else on the Pac-12 championship, Rob? No, no. I mean, I, I would get like, in some ways it was good that a, a team that's staying in the Pac-10 or 12, <laughs> you know, won it. It's a, I mean, it is a little bit of a bummer because I think that the conference overall would have benefited from the the, the playoff um, participation, even if USC got absolutely rolled by Georgia. Um, but Utah winning, I think, is is better for the conference in the long run. Um, and I, you know, it's a, I think it was a great win for them. Yeah, they would have lost to Michigan too, by the way. Like Michigan also would have bullied them around. So yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's so going from that. Let, let's talk. Let, let's talk some transfer portal stuff since we were talking a little bit about NIL and then we'll get, of course, to, to coach prime. Let's cover that and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. We're talking packed. Look, we're talking transfers. I want to be very upfront about that. Like until your team star player enters the transfer portal, signs a deal with a team and he's shaking the hand of the car dealership in like you know West Lafayette. I, I'm we're just we're not we're not gonna we're gonna treat this just like we're treating recruiting. It's like congratulations, you got a recruit. Congratulations, your recruit like left <laughs> like and then and, and and you're lucky if we're gonna do that. <laughs> but <laughs> until they're signed, until they're signed, they don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> like they are. That is um, that is funny money. That is imaginary money can't spend it yet like until until they're assigned somewhere and until they're assigned somewhere else in the transfer portal it's funny money yeah we got places to go we got people to see we can't we just can't do this if you know i'm sure there's some websites out there that are tracking all of this stuff there's like a thousand people in the transfer portal it's a bizarre year because the 
it's kind of like one of the real first years for NIL and you have the COVID, you know, uh, the, the people like, you know, but Elliot talks a lot about how like a lot of the coaches didn't get to see these players in person uh, while they were recruiting for COVID. So there was a lot of weird fits and, and we'll see like th- things will we'll start settling. What we do want to highlight are players that matter and players that are interesting that are transferring. I think I want to start with chance Nolan uh, going into the transfer portal and I think that's a good I think that's a good move for him because at Oregon State he was fine, but Gold Branson like I I don't know like I watched a lot of Oregon State football. They're different. They're different players. But in terms of the like the production on the field, I couldn't tell a difference between the two. Rob, I think they were pretty similar. And Gold Branson's younger. Right. I mean, if, the tie is going to go to the younger player for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the right call. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like the. the you know, the, the Nolan entering is, is probably even a good sign for the Beavers and like he won't be hanging over, um, you know, spring and, and, and potentially like taking up reps um, because I, I, I still do hope that they go out and get somebody in the transfer portal. Um, but Gil, Gil Branson seems like he has some upside that the, the staff wants to work with, too. I saw I saw a tweet about um, about JT Daniels because he had he had visited. Oregon State and look I don't I don't this is this is kind of wild Twitter speculation but I'm curious about it because the the tweet was was about basically when uh Daniels was at Oregon State he had asked for a house yeah uh, so this was John Calzano who reported this oh oh so this is real this is real like he had asked he had a he, his dad had managed the um the recruiting process and he was looking for six figures in NIL a four-bedroom house uh, a chef, a personal chef, um, and some other things. Oh, a personal cool. chef. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like the way that I read the tweet, I'm like, because he ended up getting like 200 or 300,000, um, at West Virginia and, and LOL, like we, we've, we've all seen that offensive coordinator disaster when he was at USA. I mean, I think every, like you and I were certainly scratching our heads. We're like, Oh, you're going to go see, uh, who's the offensive coordinator? Graham Harrell. Like, good, Harrell, yeah, yeah. good luck with that. Like we've, se- we've seen that program, uh, <laughs> but, um, my first thought was like, dude, a house in Corvallis cost like $60,000. They couldn't get him a house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I well, I mean, it just, it does feel like, you know, the, and I get it. Like the bees may not have had the NIL scratch to get that put together. Um, you know, to go out and compete, but like it is one that it feels like with where they are defensively in particular, and and they maybe need a wide receiver or two out there. Um, I hope that they can go out and at least land somebody competent and interesting. I mean, it is tough because I, I do think to be like there's there's sort of the um, the balance there. Like if you're if you're a player entering the transfer for a portal, how do you balance out like what is your immediate economic opportunity versus like the opportunity to feature and maybe go on to the NFL? And I feel like a really good quarterback could feature in Jonathan Smith's offense and then go to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if this was likely good news for uh, Smith, right? Because like you can point to, Hey, like we, we lost our, our starting quarterback and I just started like, you know, base. I mean, I think he's like a third year freshman or whatever goal, but like the, the COVID year throws everything off. Um, yeah. but look, we were able to have the same production. Look at the growth. Like I think Gold Branson got good over better over time. You've seen the production at the offensive side, like in how their quarterbacks have progressed. Um, and look what JT Daniels did. Like he chased the money 
and 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 maybe that's as good as he's going to get. So he might as well get the money while he got it. But he's transferring out of West Virginia again, right? I think it'll be his like fourth school in four years or whatever. Um, yeah. If he would have gone to who knows? Like I would have loved to see him at Oregon State under Smith, like and, and just seeing if he could have actually grown a draft stock that way because. I think he could like there's there's a world where he goes to Oregon State and he's really good and he has that pedigree came from USC and now he's set up to make a lot more than two hundred thousand dollars in like in, a, in a, you know in shrimp cocktail you know which is probably what right. he got at West Virginia I, I, it was a baffling decision I'm sure money like clearly clearly money played into that because I just thought Harrell was a bad offensive coordinator and West Virginia isn't like an offensive powerhouse anyway in terms of their recruiting. And he went there, and I think you're going to see bad decisions like this, and you're going to see good decisions. And I, I'm wondering if New England was able to bring in good players just because they weren't a, a dumpster fire in terms of their leadership. Like, right. I'm wondering if Oregon State won't have to spend the extra $100,000 to get somebody into their offense because they have the track record. I, I hope Maybe I'm Pollyannish about it, but it would be nice if that was the case. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. I mean, like, I, I'm hopeful that people start to balance, that there is some balance of, like, that the, you see less of, like, the Spencer Rattler go go to South Carolina and just take a lot of sacks for most of the year, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope you got paid a tremendous amount of money, Spencer, um, to go suffer through that. Because, like, I mean, like, you are going to have schools that are willing to, to pony up the most money in the short run. Um, but I don't think it's going to do you much good in the long run to have a bunch of bad tape and a bad offense. Yeah. On the flip side, Ladarius Henderson, who was a really good offensive lineman at Arizona State, ended up transferring to Michigan. And this he is playing when he was 17. Like, and th- yeah. Well, didn't they? And then they, they redshirted him the next year, right? Because they're yeah. like, oh, this guy's the truth. Like, we're going to let him grow a little bit. Like, that's amazing. Um, I think this is the first real, uh, like, in your face, oh no, this conference is could be in trouble because Henderson got paid at Michigan and God bless him. Like, good for you. Michigan is a better program. There's a coaching change at ASU. I get all of that stuff. But this is kind of that first warning sign of, oh no, the Pac-12 doesn't have its act together um, from a financial standpoint. And there is a risk that this conference becomes the Mountain West in terms of like, I mean, not not as bad as the Mountain West, but bigger programs like Michigan are just going to be like, oh, Arizona, you have a great wide receiver. Like, we're going to thank you. We're going to take that one. Oh, hey, um, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, like we, we really like your left tackle. And they and they just start plucking up some of the, the talent from the lesser programs that don't have their NIL act together. And and frankly, a conference that doesn't have the money um to you know just to to really compete against the big 10 i am, am i panicking or i just saw this as like the first like the first sign of a possible trend i mean i think the real so i would say for right now your likely answer is that schools like say michigan you know i mean like they're, they're going to go out like they're going to be able to go out and, and and grab players but they'll also probably be able to grab players from like lower level big 10 schools um, in the current NIL environment, which is a bit of a wild west as far as like regulation on what players can receive, that kind of thing. Like, um, I think where the Pac-12, like, so in this sense, like schools like Oregon or Washington or um, you know Utah, uh, if they you know really get invested in NIL, there is the potential for them to be okay. They're they're likely not going to be able to compete resource wise. 
overall with like an Ohio State or a Michigan or something like that, right? Like even Oregon with, I mean, unless Phil Mike got involved, doesn't have the kind of donor resources outside of Phil Knight that say Ohio State does or something like that. Um, that said, you end up in, you can end up in a situation where like if NIL goes away because you end up in collective bargaining, then you could end up at a spot where like the huge TV money that the Big Ten is 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 bringing in and the SEC is bringing in relative to the other conferences, like they could just pay more for players. So like I think right now like the Pac-12 is not like they are going to be at a disadvantage. I don't know if they're a massive disadvantage relatively speaking. Where I think you could really see trouble too for the Pac-12 though is like also on coaching. I mean like we saw this you know with Mel Tucker. You know Michigan State just dumped a bunch of money on Mel Tucker, <laughs> paid his buyout to Colorado and got him. You know um, that's where I think the the concern might be if you're I mean like as, as well as like are you gonna are you going to be able to keep coach? Like if, if Kalen DeBoer, let's say like, you know, a year from now, you know, two years from now, like if Washington really wants to keep him, can they, if like, you know, like Penn state opened up, I don't know that they can. Well, well, we'll keep We keep a look at I me. Mean, like one, one of the other transfer notes to keep in mind was, was an inner conference transfer. So, um, well, the linebacker, and it, it's funny because, like, you know, I watched a lot of Stanford football, and I'm, you know, like, we know there are good, pl- like, players on Stanford, like Caillou Blue Kelly. It's just the the team in general sucks. <laughs> so it's like, uh, so when I was like, oh, oh, whatever, like, a, a Stanford transfer, like, went from Stanford to Utah, wah, wah, um, you know, been there before. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's like one of their better. <laughs> Le- 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 well, it does, it does feel sometimes, too, like, Man, somebody's got to put up twenty points for the Knicks, right? Like every night, like yeah. there's, there's you're gonna have bad players, like decent players on bad teams. That's what, like, one of the reasons we stopped like counting tackles. I mean, like we still count them, but like you know, or at least I put less, you know, uh, less into how many tackles you have. Is like it depends on the system. How are they funneling players? And are you ta- Are you making these tackles like five or six yards behind the, the line of scrimmage yeah, on run plays? Yeah. Um, but Lavani uh, Dumani, who is uh, one of the better or at least like on paper, one of the better um, linebackers for Stanford is transferring to Utah. And uh, here we go again. Like, this is just what Utah does. They're like, oh, um, let's let's look around at um, some people that, you know, may, may, might be a little bit better if they were better served with coaching. So um, yeah. yet again, Utah brings in another transfer. You know, who knows? Because some, sometimes these go well, sometimes they don't. I think they got uh, Minke Juarez from um, – from UCLA, you know, and he didn't pan out. So, th- like, there are players yeah. that they get that don't work. But overall, that track record of that program is the reason they're competing for Pac-12 championships. And and here's another uh, possibility. So, something to keep in mind there. Um, any any other transfers to, to note? Those were really the three big ones that popped up on on my radar. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys that have entered their name in the portal that are kind of big, um, like Dorian Singer from Arizona. Um, but nobody's, you know, we, those guys haven't signed anywhere else yet. So keep an eye out, you know, like some of the guys are going to enter the portal as a way to get more money out of their current NIL deal at their current school. And they're going to come back. Some guys are going to, you know, leverage it and, 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 you know, go look for bigger opportunities elsewhere. Okay. All right. We're going to do it now. We're going to talk, talk coach prime and we're going to do it right after this.
All right, we're back. It's time. It's time for Coach Prime coming out of the woodwork to Colorado. I I just didn't I wasn't going to believe this till I saw it. Because and I think it, I have I have many thoughts Rob, about this. I'm just I so so how about you how about you start and we'll see where see where this goes. I want to start with that uh Jackson State's actually a pretty good FCS team. Um you know, they're at number 13 overall in the FCS beta rank. Uh, they're at 32 on offense, so, like, not as good of an offense. But they were at number two in FCS defenses. Um, and when they got an opportunity to play, you know, outside of the HBCUs, like, they put a whooping on Campbell, which is a decent FCS squad. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I generally think this is a good move for Colorado. I just don't think, like, I just don't think for them – like, I think it was worth it to go make a splash and try to make some noise, you know, and like, uh, you know, and just overall, I mean, and, and we can get into, cause like, I think they've announced both of his coordinators today, um, or at least they've leaked out. And, um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think there's some real, like, I think there's some real positives for Colorado in a school that has increasingly become like, it feels like a no man's land on recruiting. I, I totally, I mean, like he, I, I think, look on the surface and if you're Colorado, I think this is clearly a, a big step and a, and a good step and it's worth the risk, right? Like, and if he doesn't pan out, he's still going to bring talent into the program. So if he's a bad coach and for, if for some reason the coordinators fall through um, and it's, it's kind of a disaster, he leaves and there's still going to be players there that are going to be significantly better than the players that have been at that program for a number of years. So I think that in itself brings a tremendous amount of value. On top of that, the attention and the focus and putting Colorado on the map is also worth that the investment that they're making. I think they're paying them like five point five or six or something like that million a year. Um, that that there's a reason. I mean, he comes with the attention, and that's a good thing I think for Colorado. So all that is is I think that's great, and I'm excited that he's in the conference. I do think that there's significant downside. <laughs> there could be at least. Um, and and I, I want to talk with you about the coordinators, but let's just put them in a vacuum for a moment because one of the ways that that Prime was able to build up Jackson State was to pull players that were kind of like, it's like the Island of Misfit Toys. He was able to get a lot of players that didn't get into um, like a division one right. program or had been to a division one program, weren't good enough. And he got them to play in a league where they were significantly better than everybody else. Right. Right. So, so I just like, and I'm glad that you brought up Campbell. Cause I want to dive more into like, where, where are the games where he was playing actual teams um, th- that, that had the same level of talent that he had, because it, it strikes me. My, my idea of this is like Jackson state is, um, you know, he's the, it's, it's the grown up that's playing flag football and stiff arming the kids. Um, you know, just in terms of the talent that he was able to bring and how much better they were in, in the conference that he was in. I think this, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it's a real bummer that we don't get to see, like, I mean, cause the HBCUs within, um, the uh, within the FCS, they do not, their champions do not participate in the FCS playoff. They have their own playoff. Um, and so it's a real bummer that we didn't get to see Jackson State go into the FCS playoff. Because um, I think that they were good enough. I, they're not good enough to, to go out there and, 
win a national title. But like one of the things we, we would learn a lot more about where they currently sit because like they don't like they to your point, like their schedule was not great. <laughs> you know. Um like if you look across like where where their schedule would rank, um it was at number eighty five overall. Um you know, and I mean, like, and there are other teams like Incarnate Word, who's a terrific FCS program. Like, they play in a really bad conference too. So, yeah. like, you know, there are there are schools that we think are really good um, that that also don't play like the toughest schedule in the world. Um, but like, they, I mean, I think what's interesting is like, largely their defense has, has been like their offense is the one that like can like can really put it to people. But their defense, I mean, it, or can put up like what looks like car- when they're putting up cartoonish numbers, it's usually because they're playing somebody completely outclassed. Um, you know, but their defense was really good over the season. Um, they held Campbell to fourteen. You know, and you know they 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 had a lot of games where they were you know, pitching teams like some pretty, you know, you know, uh, and limiting teams that like, but I, to your point that I think is, is worthwhile and, and sort of explore, it's sort of like, if you're like, if you're a really good recruiter at the junior college level and you could just get guys that just miss getting into like FBS programs, like you can make some hay with that. Um, and I think Dion did, you know, um, you know, down there. And I, I, it's not that I don't think that he's, I mean, I absolutely think that he's going to be able to in Colorado. What's, I mean, they had, they had pretty strict transfer requirements. They're loosening those up. And I'm sure that was part of his requirements for taking the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's going to, be, I think it's still going to be like a, like, a, I think I, I agree with you. Like I don't, you shouldn't, and we shouldn't expect him to suddenly come in and like radically change. Like, this isn't Lincoln Riley coming in at USC. Like he's not taking over a roster that has some, has some talented players um, and has a huge fan base that's engaged and has a bunch of boosters that are extremely engaged um, and a huge NIL program potentially behind him. Like this is not that like he will, this will be a big step forward from where Colorado was. Um but I think it's going to be, I think it's, it is, I agree. Like it's, it's not going to be like an automatic, like, Oh man, they're going to, you know, compete for the PAC 12 South and win 10 games or there's no PAC 12 South anymore, but they're going to compete within the PAC 12 and win 10 games. Like I think we're probably that kind of a build is a lot longer than it was for him at Jackson state. The the two other things. And again, I am so excited that he's in the conference. So, so if you're a Colorado fan, like, please, please, please remember that. I, but like with every coach, every new hire, you know, like a lot of them flame out. A lot of them like don't end up working out. He, there are two things that really worry me. The first is the best offer he got was from Colorado and South Florida. That's a little worrisome. I feel like because he I think there were there were programs that were sniffing around for a while. And I was just shocked that that he ended up taking Colorado. I assumed he would take a better job. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is the way that he's handling himself already in terms of like, you know, basically telling people to get the heck out of the, you know, like on, on camera, like basically you better transfer now. Um, I I thought that speech was weird. And with all the attention that he's getting, like he better, and maybe he does. And and, he's a smart guy. I'm hoping he has an awesome chief of staff because he is spending what seems like a lot of time 
um, just on image. And you got a coach at the end of the day. Like you have to be able to get your coordinators on board. You have to run a program. Like, so I'm hoping that I'm hoping that he like is, is the front facing, you know, guy and he's able to really keep the administration because at the end of the day, you can have as much attention as, as you want, but if you're not taking care of the fundamentals of a, of a program, it's like any company, right? Like you can have a great right. spokesman, but you got to have good operators for the company to succeed. And I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. I, I, that just worries me a little bit because he's having these players sign, whether they want to be on like, you know, Hey, sign here so you can be on camera. And it, it just like, that just strikes me as a lot of distraction for it's a football program at the end of the day. And uh, you got to win on the field. It, it's early. It's the first week, but like, it just, I, I, I just struck me as a little, a little too much. And, and if it continues to, to go this way, it could be a distraction. Right, what do you, what do you think about those two uh, possible hangups? Yeah. I mean, I, agree. I mean, like, I, I mean, you can tell that like one of the things I think is interesting is you can always kind of tell people that like, I don't know, don't know much about leadership <laughs> because like there are a lot of people that react like reacted to that speech and they're like oh that's just what you have to do you have to tell people like it is like that's what you do when you're starting from scratch but like look like john wooden and bobby knight both have national titles right like you can win very differently you there's there's the, there's leadership and like jerks can also be successful too <laughs> i mean like people should like you know, there's like, I think people tend to put it as like, oh, there's only one way to succeed. And there's not like there are multiple avenues to success. Right. Here's the thing. And, and like and, and college football is a bit different that in that like it is it is very zero sum. I mean, sports are very, very zero sum. But I would also say like the private sector is also very zero sum. Like if you produce, people will put up with a lot. But. Like you don't have to do it that way, right? Like you don't, there's no, you can still win and not do it that way. And I think what will be interesting for him is if he, because he's publicly doing all of this stuff, I mean, like the no, like he's going to probably have to win more to overcome the noise, right? Because he's going to turn people off. Um, as he's already turning something, I mean, like, but this, and I think it was interesting to see some reporters that had covered Jackson state and some HBCUs or covered him when he was coaching high school. Like he has been doing this a long time, Like he often won't talk to reporters. He only manages out his own, you know, like the, the video that goes out on his own YouTube channel and his own, you know, video production team. Um, he's a different animal in that sense. <laughs> so like, there's like, I mean, you know, Colorado's not going to be like doing away with him, like, you know, answering questions after the game or something like that. Um, but this is, you know, there's going to be, he, he was still, I think a relatively small, I mean, a big fish in a, what in the HBCU world is like a very, very small pond with very, very little national attention. Right. I mean, he, he had a lot of national attention, but like, like he had a lot of national attention for what HBCUs normally get, you know, Yeah. this is going to be totally different. Like he's like, if he does something stupid, it is going to be talked about nationally in college football. Um, and that's going to be, I think that's going to be interesting because like he does seem, I, I don't like, I don't think he has had, I don't think he's had the moments yet where he's really been caught out doing something really dumb yet 
um, where it rose to the level where everyone would suddenly be paying attention to it. And I'm not, I'm not sure he's got the filter to stop it. Yeah. Um, and that's like, but that's what's like, you know, like people put up with Bobby Knight until they didn't, you know, and it's like, you can, you don't have to be like, like I said, like John wouldn't want a bunch of games and a bunch of national titles, not being a maniacal jerk. And I'm not saying Dion is right. Like, I don't think we've seen enough to say that. Um, but like, I thought like, the, I mean, I manage people. I've had to fire people. It sucks. It's so fun. Like, and, and managing people out is, you know, or firing them is the same as managing a kid out, you know, in a football program. Right. Um, that's just not how you do it. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> you have those conversations in private. Yeah. You let people have their dignity and treat them with class, you know? And like, that was, that was, a, I, I thought that was a little bit of a, a surprise. Like, um, it was, it felt like a, a speech for the cameras, um, rather than the kids. It, it, it struck me as this is all about me and about what I'm going to bring. And, um, and I'm like, right. Those, those kids like signed, I don't know if they signed the waiver to, for that speech, but like, I'm sure they weren't expecting that. And when you do that in person, and I mean, because it's kind of humiliating, right? Like that team sucked last year. I get it. I think they, I think they get it. And right. I just, like, they know that they're aware. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, I don't know. I, and, and like, I got, we, we used to do, we used to do a podcast for Arizona basketball and we got into trouble when like Sean Miller was just a straight, like a-hole. And oh, people yeah. are like, well, you know what, you know, you gotta, you gotta have a, you know, he's an adult. They should be treated like adults. I'm like, yeah, I still don't treat adults like that. You don't. Well, and Miller and Miller treated the local media like garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, guys that guys that have been covering the game, you know, Arizona basketball since Lute Olson was there. Yeah. You know, and, and some of that's like, uh, you know, and I like, and I think the difference, particularly there, and, and what I'm I'm curious about at Colorado, it's like um, I would almost use Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, or Kevin Sumlin wasn't talking to the media, and it's like, dude, it's the local hometown paper, and it's your first year. They're not they're not gonna like light you on fire. You know, this is right. this is your first year. Like they literally just want to know, hey, like how's practice going? You know, and I, I'm right. just I'm curious to see how that pans out. Just and and like I try not to use Arizona as much because you know we cover the whole conference. But when you've seen something like the way that that things have been mishandled at your school, and then you see a possibility that elsewhere, it, it, it just raises some flags. But with that said, like super excited. Hopefully that, hopefully that portion doesn't rear its head again. Cause that was, that was I, I thought it was pretty, but like, uh, uh, I just didn't like it, but who is he hired as, as his coordinator? Seems like he's making some good decisions on that front. So there's, I mean, I gotta like, we do know that Sean Lewis is coming, the head coach of um, Kent state. Um, who runs an interesting offense. Like, no, they're not. Um, I think people, I want to call out, I don't think Kent State's offense is as good as some people do. <laughs> so, um, like, they're not some, like, exceptional group of five offense um, under Lewis. Now, they do, uh, they do speed it up um, considerably, and they run a lot of plays. And I think that's interesting. Like, and, and, and he has, in, you know, uh, Dion has indicated that he really wants – um, he really wants to push, you know, push the envelope, push how fast they're going, um, which because and, and take advantage of the altitude. But like Kent State, for the most part, under Lewis has been has mostly hovered in the 70s offensively. And the one year where they got below that was 
you know, number 37 um, in, in, uh, in beta rank offense. Like that was number 20, that was in 2020, which is like COVID year weirdness, right? Like the Mac barely played any games. Um, I, I just like, and th- that's a decent group of five offense, but you have like the really good group of five offenses, like get up in the 50 or above range. Right. So like, he's not hiring, he's not hiring like an ace OC, like, uh, but he's got, he is getting somebody that I do think will be pretty good and should be a huge improvement over what they've been doing the last couple of seasons. Do we get any, um, any word on the defensive side? We, there's, so there's two names out there. Um, one of which is Mike Zimmer, the former Viking coach. Um, yeah, and so mm. this one, <laughs> like so I, I've just been down one, this road so a couple times. One, yeah. I looked this up. So this one was kicked out there by um, Larry Fitzgerald Senior. Is that a real person? I don't know. Like it started getting some it started getting some push from it. Um, Brian Howell, who's the beat reporter for the Denver Post, has said that's not happening. Um, the name that. I saw today it was called, it was uh, Alabama's um, he's not their play caller. Pete Golding is their play caller on defense. Um, and I got to look up who it is. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to find it in time for this, but he's their associate defensive. Like he's a co-defensive coordinator, even though he's not calling plays. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, like I actually think like their defense was really good at Jackson state. So if he was able to bring along a lot of the defensive staff, I think that would be a good one. Um, I mean, there are some names for the staff, like Tim Brewster is coming on to coach tight ends. Like, and he was with Dion at Jackson state and a good, good recruiter, you know, like Brewster has been, you know, well-regarded recruiter for a while around college football. Um, certainly, I mean, certainly an improvement, you know, like over the, over, you know, the guys they had on the prior staff for sure. Yeah. Okay. Not not like the blowout names on the defensive side that I I was expecting, but I think the other thing is I saw that Willie Taggart's coming. Well, good luck with that. You know, uh, that's an odd one. Like Willie Taggart is like position coach because like he's not going to be calling plays. He's not going. to, I mean, and maybe that's how far Willie Taggart has fallen. Man, like he, it has been a mess. Like just wherever he's gone recently has been, and, and Oregon fans are like like laughing and chuckling along as we're saying this, but. Man, it, it has been a precipitous decline for for him. So I'm I'm curious to see what position. Now, but that doesn't mean that. So I think it's Charles. Sorry, I think it's Charles Kelly is who they're talking about. Uh, he's the associate defensive coordinator in Alabama. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Any other any other hires or any anything else he's picked up that's of interest? I don't, I mean, of course, like you said, like you know, his son's coming to play quarterback, um, and he was the quarterback at Jackson State. Um, you know, the former five-star wide receiver said he's going to come to Colorado as well. I mean, I'm interested to just see how, like, again, like when they're enrolled, <laughs> like we'll talk about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, I'm sure his son will end up there. But Yeah. The other thing that, that look, the quarterbacks were garbage at, at Colorado. So it yeah. may, maybe that's why I said it, but like, that's the other thing that just struck the wrong chord was like, my son's quarterback, y'all. Like, you know, just, jeez, man. Like, you just got here. You know, like, I think, I get it. Um, but that might tamp a little bit on on who's, you know, like who you can recruit now. If you're just saying, look, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sign up to be quarterback at Colorado if like, the coach's son was, like, for sure being, like, I don't know. There's just a couple things that just got real. 
I just unseemly, I thought was, or just a different, uh, not, not the greatest way, not the kindest, greatest way to, to handle things right off the bat. So, um, but I, I still think he's going to bring a lot of energy and attention and I think the program will get better. So, um, that, that's exciting to see, uh, just Colorado is interesting now and that's, that's great. Um, what, what are there, we don't have any Stanford hires yet. We got the Oregon offensive coordinator. Oh, who'd they go with? I missed that. So they got uh, the offensive coordinator for UTSA. Um, oh. I want to talk about, you know, like really, like what I was just saying about like, hey, a really good group of five offenses are often better um, than what we're seeing here. Like that's that's what I'm trying to get at is like the UTSA, um, they were number 28 offensively this season. They were 26 the year before. Um, so Will Stein is coming in. Um, to be the OC at, at Oregon. I think this is a really good hire. Like I'm, I'm excited for him to, to come in. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be – I mean, he may not live up to being exactly Dillingham, but he's really, really good. He runs really good, interesting stuff. Um, you know, like should be a fun hire for Oregon. Well, that's good. Um, what, what is he known for? Have you have you done the deep dive into him yet? There were some interesting hires. I mean, like uh, Cal. Cal made a hire at OC too. <laughs> um, but here, let me pull up UTSA's run pass split. And he had, a, I mean, they have a good group of five quarterback in Frank Harris, who's coming back. Um, they were at number 19 in effective pass, 51 in effective rush this past season. Um, so they're going to, they're going to look to throw it around a little bit there. Um, they should be, like I said, like they should be a really fun offense. Like I'm, I'm excited for this one. They were pretty explosive, 29 overall in explosive drives, um, and they were a real offense first team. Well, that's good. What did we get at Cal? Jake Spadaval, um, who was last the head coach at Texas State, and it didn't work. He was the um, prior to that, he was the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He's been at Texas State a while, um, and they never made a change because. It was often thought they just didn't have the money to buy him out, and they just sort of let him go. And it is, Texas State is sort of like the program time forgot or money forgot uh, in a lot of ways within college football. Spadaval also coached at Cal under uh, Sonny Dykes, um, kind of an air raid guy. There's some hope, I think, that this – I mean, this is – and when Spadaval was let go by Texas State, I said – well, somebody has an opportunity. He, he, you know, it's years ago, but he was a pretty good power five offensive coordinator. Somebody has a shot to go, you know, and he has a shot to go, you know, sort of like regain his mojo call and play somewhere. Turns out it's at Cal. I, I would expect it's been like, it's been a while since he called plays. So mileage may vary, but this, this, this does feel like a, like I'm more, I have more sanguine about this being successful than I was the Bill Musgrave hire. For sure. Although I also feel like at this point, like Justin Wilcox, like fool me once, fool me twice. <laughs> I want to see it. I do think it's interesting because I think like there is some misconception. Like people, people still seem to think Cal has a good defense. <laughs> they, they didn't this year. Um, you know, so like it, this isn't like instant like turn around the program type thing. Um, it'll be a big help, but like Cal has some sneaking cracks coming into the defense. They were not a good overall defense this season at all. Oh, yeah, that that program is is on is on the rocks. I I'm glad that they they you know let's see. I do think it might speak to the fact that of the pool that Wilcox is fishing in, 
where he's got to bring somebody that hasn't called plays in a while, right? Rather than like a hot young coordinator or somebody that has a more of a track record recently. So, and look, I, again, we, I think if you've had a program that is on the decline, you've been down this road before where you go, Oh, that's a creative hire. Um, and, and, and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. So, but I, I do think that kind of like speaks a little bit to where, where Cal is in terms of what, who he's, the talent he's able to accrue there, um, on his staff, because for a while, like when, when he was first starting, it was, it was kind of a fun staff. You're like, Oh, wow, this is pretty good. And over time that staff is, is changed and, and the program is, is different. So, uh, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. That that's kind of, that's ex- I mean, if they actually do open it up rather than do this garbage offense they've had in the last couple of years. And, and to be frank, like to be very fair on my front, I thought Bo Baldwin was going to knock it out of the park. I thought he was a great hire. I mean, I wanted him to be the head coach at Arizona. If, if Kevin Sumlin, like that's probably my, my two worst takes ever in the PAC 12 was like, um, I hope Bo Baldwin is the coach. If we don't get Kevin Sumlin, <laughs> like looking back at yeah. that, holy smokes, uh, totally off on those. But, um, so we'll have to see what he's able to do. I mean, you mean current Arizona State offensive coordinator, Bob Baldwin? Oh, that's right. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's that. Now, you talk about worrisome. That is worrisome. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's still like, look, Kenny Dillingham has said he's not going to call plays. He is all like, you You should sit there. Like, I feel like we should be, you feel like, look, if it's not working, Dillingham can just step in and call plays, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Bo, I was shocked, shocked. I was, I had to be like, is there another Bo Baldwin that I don't know of? Is that Bo Baldwin? Yeah, I've been, I've been, exactly been lighting it up at the FCS level. Um, where was he? Like Cal Poly? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's bad. That's like, I'm sorry. Like that, that's. It, look, and you're right. Dillingham, like, clearly was was exceptional at at Oregon. So outside of some of the cute creatives that we already covered, that, but mm, that is, uh, it, I mean, just if like, look, ASU, like, like you mentioned, a lot of people just only watch their teams. Cal sucked with Bo Baldwin as the as the like play caller, and 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 he had multiple years, right? Like he yeah. wasn't just fired after yeah. one. He was bad for like three years there. That. Okay. I thought it was interesting too, because like, it's not just that he sucked. His offensive coordinator got hired at Utah, Troy Taylor, and sucked. <laughs> you know, <like> that, whole, <laughs> that whole scheme they were running sucked. <laughs> now they're going to run Dillingham's scheme, you know, um, and his playbook, and 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 you know the, it, here. So I again, like, I would be a little less worried. The the good hire that I thought they made was Brian Ward. They got. Washington State's defensive coordinator come in. Oh, man! So I've yeah, been I've been like traveling for the last yeah I've been traveling like the last week. So like I miss some. <laughs> this is like a whole new world. <laughs> it's been it's been, like I have it I have a, I have a stupid offsite next week, and like there is going to be like there's just like way too much preparation for this right now. So like I feel you. I'm like I'm barely keeping track of like what's going on. Well, like that that that's an interesting hire, right? Like, I mean, obviously Dickert likely the mastermind there. And I've just been so impressed by that program and what he's been able to do with like, particularly with the talent, right? I mean, it's not like Washington state has four or five star bangers and their defense is quite good. And you bring somebody that's in that vein over to ASU who on, on paper should be able to have more NIL money, should be able to bring yeah. in better talent. They have a, a, like, you know, Arizona is just 
booming right now. They're, they're going to have some players to bring in for some of those high schools. That's interesting to me. I mean, we'll, we'll see, right? Like, did, did he call plays for sure at, at Washington yeah, State? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and I like the hire. I mean, I do. Like, I, I mean, listen, they're going to – listen, there's like – I swear to God, like, there's a level of fan that I've just had it with. And it's the fan that, like, doesn't like football enough to, like – find find interest like if their rival does something they good that's pretty obviously good in a football sense like they can't acknowledge it and so, like, <laughs> there, there's a, like there's the washington fans that are a bit like this they'll be like oh we would stone leech's offense and I'm like you guys have a really good defense and like he doesn't have the players right like clearly <laughs> you know like or in this case like washington lit up washington state's defense um, Washington's got a fantastic offense. Like Washington State, it is so hard to put together a good defense there. Um, so yeah, like and and also people like do not ever do not ever quote per game stats to me. Like I will not take you seriously as a as a person. If you <laughs> like, I will I will not respect you or take you seriously if you're like here's how many yards per game or points per game or something. Like at least give me like points per drive. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. Um, but like, I mean, truly like Washington state, like, yeah, they had some games that gave up a lot of points and yards, but like the Pac-12 had some really good offenses this year. And I think they played almost all of them. Now that's, that, that is an interesting hire. Like I'm curious, I would love to see how that works out over time. I hope he succeeds. It's been really fun to see a, a, a defense like, and it's funny cause it kind of went back to the Grinch, you know, years. Like there were some nasty defenses at Washington yeah. state. He leaves and they brought in, um, Cl- Clancy, uh, what's his, uh, Pendergast. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. no, no uh, oh, uh, Tracy, no, Tracy, Tracy Clays. Clays. Yeah. Which, Tracy, which, Tracy. yeah. Well, look, mine, minus the, the off or kind of on the field stuff, but, but I thought that was an interesting hire at least, and it didn't work out, but it, I guess what I'm saying is like, there have been a number of creative hires on the defensive front at Washington state and like Rolovich bringing over Dicker. We were like, Oh, that's interesting. The guy from Wyoming, that that's an, it, like, it's just, so I, I like that. I like, I mean, it's just, and that's what you need to do to stay competitive. And Washington state has done that. And, um, and it's spreading to the conference. That's great. Like I'm, I'm curious to see, has Washington state filled that void yet? Not yet. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep a lookout for that. That's uh, good. Good. Like it's nice to see good talent, like kind of spread out through the conference. And, and, um, this, this is good. I'm excited about this. Uh, any, any other hires we should cover here before we get out uh, today, Rob? No, no. I mean, but like, I mean, truthfully, like if you're at ASU or Cal or Colorado, like those are, there are some pretty good, I mean, they're, they're like with, with Ward and Spadaval and Lewis, like those are all, pretty good improvements <laughs> you should be you know um, and that's i think good for the conference i'm just like i'm shocked like ucla like i mean i think what's interesting is you know we're we're past black sunday right like where a lot of coaches get fired yeah um and the days and I, I mean maybe something to keep an eye on here is like what we usually saw which is like wait till after the initial signing day to see if guys get fired um, cause that used to be like a lot of assistant coaches and position coaches would get fired after signing day so that the guys that they were recruiting would leave. Um, so maybe there'll be a, there may be a second wave of firings coming. Um, but it's interesting cause if you look at like the parts of the conference, like where you feel like there were obvious issues, um, mostly at defensive play callers, but like UCLA, you know, I don't think Bill McGovern worked out terribly well. Um, 
you know, like I, I th- like there could be some some other openings that 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 come up along the way. I think here. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll keep a lookout for that. Um, and there's going to be lots of hires that, that are going to move throughout the conference, and they will impact your school, like from the position coaches to the. Um, the coordinators, obviously, to the head coach, too. So we'll look out for that. We'll look out for the Stanford uh, coaching opening here. And uh, anything else to plug, Rob, before we get out of here? Uh, no, I don't even, I was planning on trying to get, like, a Saturday 6 out for, like, the FCS playoffs this weekend, and I'm just not going to have the time. Um, so I will try to get one. I get back from my, like, bananas off-site in New York on, uh, like, Thursday. So I'll try to get one put together, like, sometime next weekend for, like, previewing the playoff and some of the bigger um, the bigger bowl games. Is, is the model still rolling on the FCS side? Yeah, it's doing pretty well. I mean, like, the FCS is interesting, though, because you just have, like, I mean, in, in FBS football, you have at least, I mean, like, for a conference like the Pac-12, you're getting, like, for most teams, you're getting at least two non-conference games that count against FBS opponents. Um, and then for like a lot of, like a lot of teams are getting three, um, you know, across college football, like FCS, like you might get one, <laughs> you know, um, maybe two. And so that is like the play, like we'll probably have to carry in some of the distribution for like how the conferences grade out from this season into next season. So you understand it. So like, but it's done, it's done largely well. It, it was, um, I mean, it was all chalk last week for the FCS playoffs, like all the higher seeds won. Um, the teams that had buys um, this week, it does like incarnate word a little bit more um, than um, Sacramento state. Um, and it likes William and Mary. So we'll see if that holds up. Bill and Mary. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. That, that and Bobby Moe. Those are my two favorite like nicknames, the Bill and Mary and Bobby Moe for Robert Morris. Um, all right, stick with us. We'll catch you everybody next week. We got bowl games. We got coaching vacancies and thanks for sticking with us. Take care.